0: Welcome to Telehealth Talk. I'm Brian Lee, one of the content creators for the South Central Telehealth Resource Center. So, you're on the road to building a telemedicine program for your organization. On the horizon, you see a major roadblock, and that roadblock is buy-in. Buy-in from the powers that be at your organization that have the ability to give you the things needed to get your program off the ground. That buy-in doesn't come easy. You'll have to develop a marketing strategy, research, and prove that the program you're hoping to start has the ability to sustain itself. These along with a host of other items to mark off your checklist before your program can become a reality. And today's episode is all about the importance of your business plan or business model for telemedicine. Dr. Elizabeth A. Kripinski from Emory University, the Southwest Telehealth Resource Center And the Arizona Telemedicine Program presents 15 key steps to creating a telehealth proposal to get buy-in from the leaders in your organization.
1: So business models, maybe, there we go. Demonstrating basically return on investment, I guess is what we're all after, and getting reimbursed. Um, I'd like to be able to say, you know, let's go out and make telemedicine profitable. Um, from our perspective, most of us, healthcare per se is not profitable unless we're working for the big agency, so let's not even go there. Um, but you know, return on investment, getting back in a sense what you put in, well, unfortunately there is no one-size-fits-all method. So if you're coming here expecting to get, you know, boom, 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 this is what you got to do, unfortunately, it doesn't work for everybody. Every situation, to some extent, is unique. Um, But proposing a solid argument to the powers that be um, in order to get your program going, to advance it and so on, is probably where you can have your most impact. And through that and having a good, solid plan in place, is how you can get that return on investment. Um, So what I'm going to go through is sort of 15 key steps to creating a telehealth proposal that you can then propose to your CFO, CEO, whoever it is that would then allow you to get their buy-in and once you start to get buy-in from your enterprise, whatever that enterprise may be, that's when you can start to actually get investments and return on your investment. Uh, One of the best ways to really start out is to review the literature. Um, Whether you're going in, you you know, you want to start telederm, telepsychiatry, whatever, one of the first questions you're going to get asked from no matter who you're presenting this to is, does it work? And we're all sitting there, you know, shaking our heads and rolling our eyes because we all know it works, but they're going to want evidence. And that evidence is out there in the literature. There are a huge number of uh, systematic reviews of the literature now, and there's a lot of sources where you can get this information. The telehealth resource centers, the ATA, you know, a simple search of Google Scholar these days, um, just put in telemedicine systematic review, and a whole bunch of really good articles will come up in the past five years. Um, Some of the other things, and we're going to go through some of these, develop your metrics to demonstrate outcomes, And I'm going to give you sort of a quick and dirty three-pronged way to get to outcomes uh, in a little while. Uh, and What those outcomes are, they could be anything. Those outcomes could be a simple measure of A1C levels, it could be a financial outcome, it could be satisfaction, it could be anything. But everybody's going to want to know, okay, I'm going to give you that million dollars what are you going to do in a year to show me that it's worked so I can give you another million dollars. So that's why that ends up becoming important. Um, Decide what that best fit for your financial and model are going to be. Like I said, there is no one size fits all. So you really are going to have to play around a little bit. Talk to different people in your finance, your business office, and get input from them as well as others to figure out what really best suits you and who you're reaching out to. Um, It's been said any number of times, and I'm sure you've heard in every single talk, know your state regulations uh, in terms of reimbursement, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, all your local providers, because they're all going to have different interpretations, for example, of the same statutes, limitations, and laws. Um, I was just having a a conversation with with folks in Georgia last week, um, talking about what does it mean to have had a prior in-person visit, whether you need it or not, what's face-to-face, and talking with lawyers from both sides where some are saying, well, video is face-to-face. Oh, okay. That a camera could be a peripheral. And so they, you know, depending on which lawyer you talk to, you can get around almost any language. And this had to do with the state compact for telemedicine from the state medical board. And we were trying to figure out, because in Georgia, it requires an in-person visit beforehand. And we were trying to figure out how some of these big companies that are coming in just asking you to swipe your credit card are doing their visits without a face-to-face. And I got into a half-hour conversation with one of their lawyers, and it was like, oh my god. This is how you're interpreting it, and they get away with it. And so it really does depend on, so know your state regulations and possibly be prepared to lobby for change if you have to. Um, and use existing practice guidelines and protocols. A lot of times, again, people are going to ask you, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to you know, let you do this, and how do you know it works? Oh, yeah, you showed us that lit review and so on but you know how our our docs really aren't prepared they don't think it's possible there are practice guidelines out there and the minute you start to say oh no 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 here I have a clinical practice guideline that you could follow oh okay well then we can do it because practice guidelines are created by peers and they're generally giving you sort of a how-to almost and the American Telemedicine Association has about 15 of them as do a lot of other professional societies are starting to come out with their own practice guidelines for how to conduct televisits. And so when you're utilizing them all of a sudden the people, the lawyers, everybody else is like, oh there's precedent. Oh, all right, you can go ahead and do it. This is what I mean by looking at the literature. There's a whole series of of articles recently recently by Rashid Bashur (laughs) from the University of Michigan uh, and a number of co-authors coming out with a whole series of systematic reviews on various telemedicine applications, um, primary care, um, dermatology, uh, this one is all on, um, there was one on diabetes. And they come out with these wonderful tables and they're all out within the last five years. There's a number of other authors as well doing these. And they often present tables like this showing outcomes, clinical outcomes in terms of hospitalizations, length of stay, ED visits, and something very simple like that with little arrows going down. That's real convincing to your hospital administrators. And they're saying, wow, okay, and this was over how many, you know, studies, oh, 10, 15 studies, wow, it must mean something. And then they're also going to ask about costs. And here's another table from this, this one particular article showing all the various cost savings. So it's not necessary often to go out there and reinvent the wheel. It's good to have data from your own organization, but if you're just kind of starting out, you don't have that data. But getting articles like this and showing very simple tables like this that say, hey, 25 percent cost reduction simply using telephone. Wow, okay, maybe there's something to this telemedicine stuff. Or nine million dollars in cost, but savings of $20 million in something as simple as ECG systems. And again, there are a lot of articles out there, and so if you need data, there's data out there. So what are these 15 key steps? Um, It's creating a document that you are then going to go and present to those who you're making that argument to because uh, it's one thing to sit there and make a presentation and say well do you want my PowerPoint slides afterwards mm, you know it's, it's good but you really want something a little more professional so a little document that summarizes your arguments and rationale for creating a business plan in a telemedicine program in something you can hand them and say okay I'm gonna give you the brief overview here while we're chatting you can have my PowerPoints, but here's something that really lays it out it's got references and everything else so it's really good to have this as well. The first thing is your executive summary. And I usually say write this last, okay? Do everything else and then come back and write that executive summary, because it's hard to write that in the beginning. It's a concise overview, because let's face it, most of them probably, no matter how hard you work on this document, are going to flip through, read the executive summary, and look for the pictures and tables. That's what we do. That's what grant, writer, grant reviewers do too. Um, But let's face it, we all do it to some extent. Um, So that executive summary, that one one paragraph is going to say, why is it important here? What exactly are we going to do? We're not just going to do telemedicine stuff. We're going to do DERM or PSYCH. We're going to roll out a plan over the next five years where we do this, this, this. What do we have available to us? This. What are we after? This. Why do we think we're going to get a return on investment? and all that in a quick short paragraph. Then you'd want to go into a little introduction and background. Why? Not because it's cool, not because everybody else is doing it, but how is it going to benefit our region? What is wrong in a sense, in here, in our state, with what we're doing, that justifies pouring money into something different, rather than pouring it into the mobile van that's going to go drive around? Okay, so why, as opposed to all the other programs, is telemedicine the way to go? Okay? And again, the background to some extent is a little bit of that lit review showing that it works. <laughs> Who are your key players going to be? Not just who's providing the services, but who's going to get it. These are all your stakeholders. And I strongly, strongly encourage those stakeholders to include patients, if you can. Why? Are, are the people really interested in this? You know, it's one thing to say that the hospitals are really interested in Dr. Jones out there in the middle of nowhere because wants to go on vacation and have some telemedicine backup. Do the patients want this? Are they going to be accepting? Because if you don't have your customer base, that's what business is all about, a customer base. If you don't have that customer base, doesn't matter how good you are, if you don't have any customers. What are your goals and your metrics? Again, what do you want to do? Our goals, we want to implement a telemedicine or teledermatology program. We want to uh, reduce the number of patients from our rural areas by 30 percent coming in. We want to see that 30 percent in their home clinics. Whatever those goals are. And then establish metrics to measure that needs and demands, again, from all those stakeholders. Not just you, again, because you think it's cool, and not just Dr. Jones because he wants to go on vacation. All the stakeholders. And ways to do this, surveys, focus groups, just getting people together in the same room. And yes, I do recommend being in the same room. Video can do a lot, not for first visits. Okay, For something like this where you're trying to make that connection, especially to people you don't know in those rural areas, going out there, spending the time on the road to get out there. After that, do all the video you want, but some focus groups, some surveys, and there are a lot of surveys and things out there, and I've got some references and, and some tools. If you, you can email me or any one of the TRCs. We all have a variety of surveys and tools that can be very useful this, because in the end, absolute buy-in is critical. Okay on a broad basis. We used to say having that single champion is the way to go, and I agree, you still need that single champion, but that single champion has to be cloned as well, because sometimes that single champion gets a better offer somewhere, and then they're gone, and you're like, but my champion's gone. Um, So you really do need it, and again, there are templates for all of this that I can provide, or any one of the uh, Telehealth Resource Centers, we all have uh, a variety of templates. This is just an example of one of them. Uh, This is one that we've used in Arizona, it's a telemedicine site assessment. So when we go out to our sites and we start to tell them about telemedicine and they say, yeah, yeah, we're interested and so on, well, one of our first questions, okay, well, what's going on now? Because a lot of times the sites don't realize maybe they're already, we have been to so many sites where they're already gauged in telemedicine or somebody somewhere else is and they're like, oh, yeah, I've seen Dr. Smith doing that, I didn't realize that was telemedicine, I thought they were just like Skyping somebody. Um, and they probably were, <laughs> but you don't want to go down that road. Um, but you really want to get a more formal assessment. And this is just an you know, a, a example. Um, you know, are the physicians employed by your hospital? Very simple questions like that. Number of beds. Uh, and this survey kind of goes on and on. This is a first page of 23. And when you say, oh my god, 23. But that's the kind of detail that you're going to want when you're going into the sites to find out, are they ready? What are their internet capabilities? What kind of video conferencing systems do they have? Maybe they already have video. A perfect HIPAA compliant video conferencing system. Maybe they already have some peripherals that, you know, Dr. Smith was using a few years ago. Well, we have a polycom system. Wow, cool. You know, so there's all sorts of stuff. You want to know what they have. So, again, I have one. Um, Almost all the TRCs have some version. You're going to want to have a service plan component. Are you doing store and forward? Are you doing real-time video conferencing? What are those delivery modes? Is it going to be a hybrid system? Are you going to be doing, uh, you know, tele-nursing? And some of the visits are in person, some are video. What's the ratio? Who's going to provide the equipment? Who's going to pay for the maintenance and service agreements, things like that? You want to talk about reimbursement. Again, you're going to have to find out from your, your state who gets reimbursed, who's reimbursing what, how to do it in Arizona when we first started back in 1996 we sent a letter okay maybe we were you know way ahead of our time and nobody knew what the heck we were doing but we sent a letter around to all the uh, payers in the state of Arizona and we said we're going to be doing telemedicine we took a very proactive approach and we said and we're just going to start billing would you like us to put some sort of modifier on it We got one response back from the mail handlers that said, yeah, go ahead and put a modifier. Since we didn't hear back from anybody else, we just said, okay, well, they must be okay with it. And we just started doing it. And we got reimbursed at about the same rate that the hospital got reimbursed, which was about a typical academic center. I think we get about 70, 75% reimbursement, okay? Um, now, would that work today? I'm not sure. <laughs> Everybody's a lot more aware of what telemedicine was. Maybe they just didn't understand what we were asking. But you have to find out what your reimbursement landscape is. Technical requirements, again, it depends on what those delivery modes are. Okay, do you need the same bandwidth to do store and forward as you need to do real time? Okay. Are you doing this over a private network or the internet? Okay. Does the, if you're doing it over the internet and you're planning on doing, you know, a thousand consults in a day in all your departments and so on, are you going to clog up the network? Do you have that bandwidth? So find out. Okay? And again, find out who your champions are. It does sometimes help, not always, to do a SWOT analysis. Okay? Find out not only what do all those other sites have, but what do you have? What are your resources and what are those challenges going to be? Um, and it 's fairly easy to identify them. I mean, the kind of the standards come up the technology challenges, the acceptance challenges, and the finance challenges. Um, but there are ways to overcome all of that as well. Um, this is just more of that survey. This is on the equipment resources it 's kind of scary, but sometimes you still have to ask, do you have internet access? There are still places that don 't in very rural areas again in in arizona we 're going out to some of the uh, The IHS sites, they don't all have internet access. A lot of the tribes with border sites, they don't have internet access. So we have to find out, how are we going to do that? Um, Do you have a video conferencing bridge? I mean, the minute they start coming back and saying, a bridge? What do you mean? Um, Then you know the level that they're at, okay? So again, this, this is part of our, that 23 page survey, so it might be useful. Marketing. This is one step that most of us probably don't even think of. Um, Again, when you're developing a business plan, which is really what this is, and you're trying to convince a bunch of people who are naysayers, or you might have a few champions out there, a lot of it is about marketing. And these days, that market is getting more and more challenging to some extent because there's so many people in that marketplace. Not only healthcare (coughs) enterprises, But Google, Microsoft, Walgreens, CVS, all these other companies are all out there providing telemedicine services. So somebody in your audience, your stakeholder audience, that you're trying to convince us say, well, why don't we just send all our customers just to Walmart? Tell them to go to the kiosk, pay the 25 bucks. What's your argument going to be against that? So you've got to be prepared. So know what your market share is and what it might be. Where is your target? Where are you going to position yourself? What makes you unique? Are you an academic medical center and therefore can provide subspecialty care? Are you unique that you're doing telegenetics, okay? Walgreens is not going to do telegenetics, I don't think, not yet. (laughs) Um, There certainly aren't enough of you. I mean, how many of you are in telegenetics? Yeah, quite a few. I mean, there aren't that many. Um, So you've got a market. So you've got to think that way. What do we have that nobody else has that we can offer? Um, And find out, again, what's your share of that market? Because somebody, your CFO, I'm going to give you a million dollars. How many patients are you going to see? Well, 10, 15? (laughs) Oh, They're not going to give you that million dollars. You really have to show what your market share. Brand it. Okay. What's your cool name for your program? Okay. It's very important. And promote it. Brochures. Getting the word out there. There are a lot of resources. Again, the, all the TRCs, American Telemedicine Association, there's videos out there that are available, that have patients talking about why telemedicine is great and how it impacted their lives. And most places are willing, they're either freely out there already or they're willing to share these with you. These are the types of things that you can bring into a meeting. Here, let me show you a video. This is what, this is what telemedicine does. Two minute video can convince an audience like that that it's useful. So promotion. And you gotta think about pricing. Are you going to rely on reimbursement in your normal sense that your enterprise is doing? Or are you somehow going to supplement this? Are you going to say to your patients, okay, look, the federal government, Medicare, Medicaid, mm -hmm, they're a little slow. They don't really reimburse this. Would you be willing to pay 30 bucks to avoid coming in to see your practitioner for a follow-up visit? Okay. Well, let's see. I'm going to spend two hours on the road, I'm going to spend half a tank of gas, miss work, yeah, I'd pay thirty bucks. So you have to, again, that's where your stakeholders, finding out what would they be willing to pay. And think about your pricing schedule, because again, it may not all be just from reimbursement. You're positioning yourself in that value network. And then you got to have that IT department there with all that technical stuff. Um, I'm not going to go into that because we all kind of know, in equipment, staff, People don't think about. And again, I'm an experimental psychologist, human factors integration. I think that that is so much more important than the technology itself. I don't care what system you use, I don't care how savvy your people are or not. It's how do you integrate all that into the current workflow to make it as seamless as possible and so people aren't freaking out. And, like, oh my God, you want me to go down the hall to do what? I don't go down the hall. So, yeah, trust me, <laughs> I've heard it. <laughs> you know, don't make me go out of my office. Um, sometimes that's the way it is. So, figure out how to integrate it. It really is important. Um, this is what I mean by figuring out your marketing plan. Who all is in this network and your marketing plan? Can hit a whole lot of different people, referring physicians, supporting organizations, legislatures, the media. Try to get yourself on the news sometime. We're starting a, a, a new service telemedicine. Okay, send it out to the news. You never know, you might get there. Put it in the newspaper. In our program, in the Arizona Telemedicine Program, we have a logo. That was one of the first things we developed. We have all wear blue coats because that's friendly don't wear your white coats for your video conferencing systems they just reflect right back so we have these nice blue coats they all have a patch on it everybody there knows when we're walking down the hallway in those blue coats Everybody knows it's part of the telemedicine program whenever we do anything in the background it's the Arizona telemedicine program this is the governor signing our parity law this is her official signing. What do we have in the background Arizona telemedicine program. what do we have here? the director of the program in his little blue coat here we have another legislative that um, rep rep, whoop, rep in his little blue coat this was a statewide parity law and as the University of Arizona we can't lobby or anything because we're a state university. We didn't lobby but hey we sponsored that signing and our program, that's what I mean by branding and advertising. Okay, Every teleconsult that we do, that background is written back to the patient and the physician. Unless they're in their home, of course. Okay? It's marketing. That's so incredibly important. Know your regulatory environment. Yeah, 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 we, we've heard all that. Licensure, credentialing, privileging, malpractice, security, privacy, reimbursement. Know it those are all the key things okay people always talk about that a management plan that is so critically important because nobody can do this alone you really want to have a management team in place coordinators call them whatever you want but people who understand all the little steps and who are gonna make that integration step happen so it's as seamless as possible so no matter who the healthcare provider is, who they're seeing, it's just going to happen as naturally as your next patient's in the third door down that files in that little thing on the outside. That's as simple as it has to be. It has to work into their current workflow, okay? And that's where the management team comes into place. You're going to have the coordination, yeah, you're going to have your IT people in there, you're going to have your business manager. But really, when I think of management, I think really of integration, okay? It's administration too, but making it happen, making the flow happen. And then obviously your financial plan. Think about revenue, expenses, and for most of us, it really is a break-even analysis. It's not how much profit, because a lot of the benefits are intangible when we talk about telemedicine, healthcare in general. Okay, Most hospitals don't talk well. They don't talk out front about making a lot of money. They may talk about it in the back rooms, but my, my, my uh, level of uh, um, entry into those conversations is limited. But I know they talk about it, but not out in public. Okay, um, But a break-even analysis and the return on investment, those are the things that you really want to concentrate on. You're going to want to make presentations to your stakeholders. And you're gonna include that in this fifteen steps. How often are you going to go back and talk to your stakeholders? Okay, it's all one thing to get them on in the beginning. You have to keep them involved in the whole process. Okay. Send out monthly updates or quarterly updates, a newsletter. Put them in the newspaper, send them out to patients, put flyers in clinic waiting rooms talking about your telemedicine program continual buy-in, continual awareness of what you're doing. I don't know how many hospitals that we've been in in rural areas, because the turnover in personnel is just so high, we'll go in and say, okay we're here to, you know, update our equipment. What equipment? What telemedicine program? Oh my God, we've been doing telemedicine? Because there's no continuity, okay? So you've got to continually kind of keep your stakeholders involved training and testing same reason train 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 we do this all the time because there is such turnover things change technology change we've had people from our rural sites who come back every two to three years and get retrained because there's different advances going on and we promote our training program all over the state an operation plan again this is all about integration telemedicine has nothing to do with technology it's all the people It's all making it work. It's teams of people making the telemedicine work. Um, I'm going to have to put that PhD to work. Evaluation. (laughs) I am a strong proponent of evaluation, but it doesn't mean science. It doesn't mean going out and running a study or a randomized control trial. Evaluation. I'm talking about just assess your program. And again, I'll get to some very easy metrics, but you've really got to know what you're doing in order to, again, convince people, okay, they gave you that million dollars, that was all well and fine, but you want them to keep giving it to you every year or maybe more. So at the end of that one-year period or at nine months, you've got to come back to them and show them what are they getting for that money, so you're going to have to have some sort of assessment or feedback component worked into this business plan. And then some conclusions and recommendations, which of course are, give me that million dollars, because we're going to make a huge impact on our healthcare system patients, everything else that's there. Okay? Um, training, again, absolutely critically important. I think all of the TRCs offer some sort of training program. There's training at the American Telemedicine Association as well. Um, there are even, a lot of the companies that are doing telemedicine offer their own training programs, and they're fairly generic. They're going to use their own equipment Um, but the training that you get in the principles could really be applied everywhere. Uh, These are just some ways, you know, training can take place uh, virtually in sort of a classroom setting, um, like this at a conference, Um, hands-on kind of workshops with the equipment. Here we're demonstrating how to use some of our peripherals. This is an interesting one that we did um, as part of a telegenetics program uh, in collaboration with uh, Hawaii and Arkansas. And essentially, we re-ran these simulations, and one thing I highly, highly, highly recommend is part of any training, whether it's official or not, before you go out and make your first connection with a rural healthcare provider, with a patient in the room, do simulated sessions. Do dry runs, okay? Don't make your first telemedicine with a real patient your first encounter, because you're asking for disaster. Do a few dry runs with those people in those rural areas. Get a fake patient, get your kid, whoever, to come in and pretend to be a patient, okay? And that's what this simulation session was all about. And We'll run this a couple times. And basically what we have is in one room, we have a healthcare provider being a patient. Boy, that's an experience for some of them. In another room is the healthcare provider. And then in this big room are all the other people in the training session watching, both. So now we've got sort of a three-way. These two on the screen are talking to each other as if they're in a simulated scenario. We give them a little scenario to go through. And they're watching and criticizing. And we round robin it. Everybody has to be a patient and a provider in about a four-hour session. About eight, eight people, eight to ten people you can do this with. And you don't have to do it for very long. 10, 15 minutes per per pair is enough to show them, oh my God, this is not just sitting down and chatting. You really learn very quickly about eye contact, the importance of lighting, the importance of talking to your patient, and not kind of writing your notes and talking over here with the microphones over there so you can't hear me and all of a sudden then you can hear me but I got to write some more you know and things like that it really becomes quite evident and especially when you're one of the patient and then the healthcare provider and then you're sitting there watching and saying god look what they're doing aren't they stupid and everybody's like wait till they see their report Uh, you know because everybody's making the same mistakes. So if you can do these types of simulations beforehand, super, super, super recommend doing them. So here's the promised evaluation strategy. Okay, science without doing science. There are three steps to any good evaluation strategy. First step, indicators. Okay, this is going to lead us all to outcomes. Indicators, the realistic, concrete activities, products, services, whatever that you can measure in a very straightforward manner. Frequency, amount of time, surveys, some very easy clinical measurements, A1C levels, length of stay in the hospital, number of returns to the ED, whatever. Okay, concrete. This is what I'm going to measure. Why? Because we decided in our analysis of what's going on in our healthcare system, this is a problem. Okay, we got too many patients with A1C levels in rural areas that are out of control. That's what we're going to measure. Call these indicators. Okay, I have indicators, now I'm going to develop performance targets. These are your concrete goals, often time-limited and based on the indicators. So I want to reduce A1C levels. That's what I'm measuring. My goal is I want to reduce it by 10% in 50% of my patients over the next quarter. Very simple. Okay, Not rocket science. So now I have an indicator. I got a target. Now I got outcomes because at the end of the first quarter I can say, wow, I did reduce A1C levels by, oh my god, 12% in 55% of my patients. I exceeded my goals. I have positive outcomes. It's not super hypothesis-driven randomized control trials. You don't have to do that to experience outcomes that are going to impact your healthcare system, your patients, and give you ammunition to go back to that system and say, look, I have outcomes. They're positive. I exceeded my own goals, OK? Don't set your goals too high. Don't set them too low. Set them reasonable based on what you think you can do and you'll get positive outcomes. And that leads to buy-in, bigger market, return on investment, and so on. And that's a big blank slide for some reason. Uh, This is, in case you're looking for ideas about what to measure, this is from one of the ATA, it's not one of our guidelines, um, but it's from something called um, a lexicon of assessment and outcome measures for telemental health. Yet they apply to anything, and I strongly recommend going onto the website, downloading this, or emailing me for it. Whatever, it gives a whole bunch of ideas. Um, patient satisfaction. So it gives you the, the 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 term or the item. They define it for you. They tell you how to measure it, and then they give you some example considerations. Then it goes through satisfaction, coordination of care, integration, usability, report. Stigma, motivation, readiness. What about no-shows? Um, accuracy of the assessment, symptom outcomes, uh, completion of treatment, quality of care. All these are far beyond mental health. This is a wonderful, wonderful document, and it just keeps going on. Wait times, length of session, distance to service, uh, likelihood to access versus traditional care, cultural access. I mean, if you need ideas value proposition, travel, gets into costs as well. This is a wonderful document that will give you some really good ideas about what types of indicators, targets, and outcomes that you can get across almost any type of telemedicine program. And I really, really strongly recommend uh, this document and look, you can find it following that link and yes, I'm more than willing to share all of my slides with anybody who asks. So if you get nothing else from this, this is a really good document uh, for outcomes. Okay. And I'll leave it up one second because I see people trying to quickly copy down that link. And I know it's a huge link. It's, and if you go to the ATA website at or just you know google american telemedicine there's the first tab that talks about about telemedicine it's the last one down there that says standards and guidelines click on that one you'll go to the standards and guidelines page and it's like the sixth or seventh one down okay everybody got it so economic evaluation again it's all about return on investment your business plan and and you know again some of you might have been wondering she ever going to get to the business? This has all been business. Business is far greater than just that bottom line financial. That's why, you know, there's this 15 kind of stage plan. But if you really do want to talk about economic evaluation, well find somebody with an MBA and they will sit there and bore you to death. Um, unless you're that kind of person then it's wonderful and it's fascinating and we love it. Um, but <laughs> there are some of us who don't. Um, but there, there are a whole variety of economic evaluations out there and there's a whole lot of ways of doing it. In the end, okay, very basic, it's simply comparing alternatives in terms of costs and consequences is really what it comes down to. Is telemedicine A better than what we're doing now B? And that really is the bottom line of what most cost-effectiveness analyses are going to be. Um, You want to take into account for both situations the costs and figure out what the consequences are. And this just lists, there are, like I said, there's a ton of different cost type analyses out there. There's cost minimization, cost effectiveness, cost utility, cost benefit. And again, this is why it's important to get somebody with some financial acumen who understands the financial side of things and what the true differences are between these types of analyses and which one for your particular situation is going to be best you know are you looking to minimize your costs is that the problem or are you looking to more take what you're doing and doing it better and be more effective so the different types of cost analyses that you can do really should be reflective of your individual situation and again that's where getting to talk with your stakeholders and and your financial folks is going to come into play finding your costs obviously is absolutely critical um, and basically the cost is, you know, everybody knows what cost is, it's, it's the quality or uh, the quantities of the resources that you're going to need times the prices. And we can describe various pathways, again, program A, telemedicine, B, traditional, whatever, and at what point do various costs come into play and how do they compare? You know, if we're going to be doing telemedicine and we're going to be doing surgical follow-up, um, at what point and what can we do? In person, what tools do we need versus simply by video? Okay? By video, we're not going to need any gauze, we're not going to need band-aids, we're not going to need you know, things like that. Um, but what will we need? Okay? So what are the differences in costs? And you're going to have to include all the resources. It's not just the Polycom system or the video license that you're going to need. Think about the entire healthcare enterprise, because really when you truly integrate telemedicine into your enterprise, you should be affecting more than one little aspect. So you have to think about the equipment. The staff, maintenance, telecom, training, all those aspects should really go into your costs, because it is some kind of costs. Think about the community what you're reaching out to are there costs associated with that what do they have to get if you're going to be doing into the home who's gonna pay for those funky little systems that you're asking them to use who's gonna pay for the remote monitoring equipment okay so think about all those costs patients think about travel time away from work those are costs as well if I can do telemedicine and I've saved them time away from work travel that's some of the costs that they pay now that they're not going to have to pay with telemedicine. So think broadly. Think about the caregivers as well. They're going to save the same types of things. You might be able to count them twice. Because if that caregiver is a parent and the child is the patient, you have now saved time away from work, time away from school, etc., etc, etc. So think about everything in the broader sense. outcomes, um, the resources used, and the changes in the health care. Again, this gets back to those things that we measured. Some of the things that you can measure with the outcomes and from that, that list from the ATA document, a lot of those have to do with, and you can directly measure, costs through those outcomes. Primary care, ER visits, outpatient visits, days in the hospital, uh, tertiary care, and so on. All of these are things that telemedicine can have outcomes that can be related directly to costs and to bottom line and your return on investment. Okay? And again, that document has a whole lot of them. When you're estimating those costs, what do you have to pay attention to versus not? Well, anything that's similar for programs A and B, just ignore. Okay, overhead, rooms, you can just ignore all that. I got to turn the lights on. Whether it's telemedicine or seeing patients, I got to pay for the lights no matter what. Okay? So anything that's the same, overhead for you and the patients, just ignore. Minor costs, things that really aren't going to change the results, you can ignore that as well. Um, include as much as you can. Um, some people ask whether or not you should include that initial investment. Uh, Again, it's going to depend on where they got their MBA, I guess, Um, because I've heard it both ways. Um, At some point, yes, you've got to include that, at least up front. And whether and how you depreciate it or who you foist that cost off on and so on, or or whether you put the maintenance contracts in the enterprise versus the telemedicine program, I mean, these are things that you're going to have to figure out for your own individual situation. Um, But yeah, at some point all of those costs have to be accounted for and how you divide them between the departments or the hospitals or the patients and you know everything else really really you do have to account for somehow because the insurance company is not going to pay for you to go out and buy your infrastructure and equipment. So it's got to be accounted for somewhere. Uh, The business case again at the bottom line it's more complicated than this and there's spreadsheets and everything but at the bottom line your return on investment your aim is this equation the increase in revenue over what you spent <laughs> and what's that ratio is it positive or negative okay and again the expenditures what was the increase in the hospital's total expenditures for treating a patient group versus what in different situations. Telemedicine versus not telemedicine. What are they going to use in terms of resources? And again it's a lot more complicated than that but nobody came here to see a bunch of spreadsheets and get bored by that. But at the bottom line that's really what it's all about. Um, Changes in revenue, changes in reimbursement, has that occurred? Are you perhaps not necessarily seeing more money coming in because of more telemedicine visits because you may or may not be getting paid the same amount depending on you know parity laws and whether insurance is paying for it, but perhaps is your teledermatologist spending an hour every day doing telemedicine and seeing 20 patients in an hour, which don't, don't balk, that's what they do sometimes or 40 store and forward cases, thereby freeing up four hours a week to see more patients in person that they wouldn't be spending with these 20 or 40 patients doing follow-up visits that everyone took a half an hour or 15 minutes or whatever. Think about the trade-offs. Again, it's not necessarily what telemedicine is bringing in, but maybe what it's facilitating on your traditional healthcare side that's going to bring in more revenue. Um, Changes in diagnosis-related groups, changes in number of patients, total reimbursement, and so on. Um, You know, all of these things are are things that you should consider. Okay. Again, not everything that happens via telemedicine. Uh, When you present your results of your business case, you know, you're going to want to describe your data. And when you're doing these types of analyses, um, you really want to provide as much information as you can. Again, back to those stakeholders and up in advance, try to estimate some of these things for your business case. And then at the end of that, say, one year, six month period, whatever the point is where you've got to go back to them, say, okay, this is what we estimated and this is what we actually spent or this is what we actually got back in revenue. A sensitivity analysis, oh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, this is just an example of a, a business plan budget. And again, I have the Excel spreadsheet. This is one way of doing it and shows you some of the things to take into account, other fixed costs, travel, um, you know, your uh, telehealth contact revenue, all sorts of things. This is just one example of uh, a good budget planning tool that you could use. And again, all the TRCs have access to uh, this one and a number of other ones, okay? So they are out there at least as a starting point. Again, a, a true... Uh, you know accountant is one going to do their own form um, but this will at least give a starting point because those financial people probably are not going to have any idea about what this whole telemedicine thing is about and they may not know what to include so providing them with a template like this will at least get them thinking oh wow these are the types of things i got to think about okay a sensitivity analysis is um, basically looking at how your costs, in a sense, change over time as a function of an intervention. Um, so for example here you're talking about cost of patients. This is getting at that break-even point. How many telemedicine encounters do I need in order to reduce my costs to a point where eh, okay I'm, 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 I'm getting happy, I'm not quite so maybe I'm red or orange, and then at what point can I really say, oh wow, yeah, here I'm happy. And so this type of sensitivity analysis, and there, um, there's a lot of programs that will do this, um, but it simply looks at where is that break even point where you may not making a complete return on your investment, but you're getting pretty darn close in terms of what you're going to have available.
0: Let's keep the conversation going. We want to hear your program development stories. The good and the bad. You can find and follow us on Twitter at Telehealth Talk or leave us a message at infolearntelehealth.org. You can also visit our website, LearnTelehealth.org, for tools, tips, and resources to help you on your telehealth journey. That's LearnTelehealth.org. Thanks for listening.